4: Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Sunday on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'll tell you what our right for. All right, second hour of Point Spread Sunday. This is about where like the, the juices are flowing. You know what I mean? Late night last night, super early in the morning here on the West Coast, ready to go ready to go. All right, Tom Burns is going to be with us in 30 minutes. We're going to get the uh, his perspective on the second half of the season. I keep saying the second half. You guys got me all twisted up. Uh, 70% of the NBA season is in the books, but I continue to call it the second half of the year. Last six weeks, and uh, you know, we'll get to the divisions, too, at some point in the NBA, because uh, there is a lot to be decided, and uh, maybe some value to be had in the division market. Uh, but Wanted to go to college hoops here because that is the focus, I think, of today and of the next few weeks because college basketball season is getting down here to its last few weeks. Uh, hell, man, I think in um, two weeks, three weeks, we actually have some conference tournaments starting out here in Las Vegas. Um, with, By the way, Las Vegas, if you've never been out, uh, conference tournament week, Oh, it's so great because you have the Mountain West, you have the West Coast Conference, you have the Pac-12, all happening at once. And you're just bouncing around from building to building, trying to go and watch as many college basketball games as you possibly can. You know, back in the day, the, the whack, all of those things. So come out and check it out. You uh, And you can stop by the South Point. But I want to go to the, some of the, the big games from yesterday and focus on some of the bigger games for today uh, because there were some results from yesterday. Actually, I was looking on Twitter right now. These are why some of these results matter. So, I mentioned, too, uh, you know, Michigan performing extremely well. and They have a pretty big matchup today against Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan actually moved up to number 21, uh, 29 in the net rankings. What does that mean? Well, that means actually that a team like North Carolina now has two quad one wins to bolster his tournament resume. Uh, so, like things like this, like all of these things t- t- totally matter. And a team like North Carolina, which is kind of floundering around with their resume going forward, now a team like Michigan, they need him to keep winning. So, let's focus on that game really quickly because uh, that is a big one. And as we talked about, the Badgers uh, are taking on a Michigan team right now that seems to be potentially finding their footing. A Michigan team that actually. Um, very, very unproudly, I have to say. Uh, have a futures ticket on them at 12-1 to 1 to win the uh, to, to win the NCAA tournament that I bet before the season started. Yeah, it's looking good. Uh, Wisconsin, three-and-a-half point favorite right here at the South Point. Total uh, off the board. But this is always why these early morning matchups you can shop around because it's three-and-a-half at the South Point. It's two-and-a-half pretty much everywhere else. So we'll see where this number gets to. If you're talking about three-and-a-half, that seems pretty high uh, for the way that the Badgers have been playing. Two-and-six ATS in the last eight games had to come back in a dramatic fashion to beat Indiana the other day. Uh, Michigan – from an offensive standpoint, is starting to slowly get their legs underneath them. They had a really good performance against Purdue. Beat the crap out of them back at home, and now you come back after a win over Iowa, which, again, second time in three games, which are dropping over 82 points. Now you get to take on Wisconsin. Now, it's a tough spot to go on the road to play Wisconsin. These Big Ten games, these home home courts have been absolutely tremendous for a lot of these teams. But I would expect this 3.5 here at the South Point is probably the high point we reach with this number. And as you move forward throughout the day and tip-off gets a little bit closer, I would expect that you're going to see some action there and that this one probably evens out to about two and a half uh, across the board in favor of Michigan later today. So we'll see if this number moves by the time we get off of the air. Uh, but regardless, it's actually, it's a really early tip. For those of you here on the West Coast, That is a 10 a.m. tip between Michigan and Wisconsin. So I brought that up just because that was uh, the, uh, the tweet on North Carolina, which is a really good point that North Carolina is really hoping that Mich- uh, Michigan continues to turn things around here. But let's go back to yesterday, too, because a couple of these matchups, there. – I think there were really good games yesterday, but also some really important and impactful games uh, from yesterday. For example, what you do with Michigan State moving forward um, as a team that has now failed to cover five out of six games and has lost four out of five is going to be pretty intriguing because the rest of their schedule is a bear the Michigan state Spartans as they continue to slide now down out of the standings. uh, And of course, in rankings big to AP and uh, analytically, right? Ken Palm, for example, they've got them right now at 27th uh, in the country, Michigan state. I would, I would think that continues to slide after results of today, but the rest of the schedule for Michigan state going forward here. Now we're talking about road game against Iowa on Tuesday. You come back next Saturday to host Purdue. You have that rivalry spot on the road against Michigan. After that, you follow that up a day later think about this this stretch from March 1st to the 3rd it's Michigan on the road Get a day off, then go to Ohio State a day later and come back and finish the season with Maryland. These next four games could all be losses for Michigan State, realistically, as you move ahead to their season. And this was a winnable game yesterday. You know, you're a two point underdog at home against Illinois and you lose the game outright 79 to 74. You lose the game 79 to 74, and you get really no offensive production outside of two or three guys. And now this is, I think, becoming a problem here for Michigan State. They go through that stretch earlier in the year from the start of December all the way through mid January, where they go undefeated, right? They lose that game to Baylor, they're 5-2, and two, but then you go to that game against the Northwestern, you're at home, you're 14-2 and two on the season, you're 5-0 and zero in Big Ten play, everything looks absolutely fantastic, and since that game, this has completely fallen apart for Izzo and the Spartans, and this could get really bad as you head into Big Ten conference t- tournament time. So, again, the schedule's a bear, and I think that's what you really wanted to get that win, and Is going to Iowa like the worst thing in the world because Iowa defensively has its issues? Not exactly. Uh, But I think when you look at Michigan State, it would not be surprising to see this team come in with two wins over the last two months of the season in a Big Ten play, a Big Ten tournament play. Uh, And then you get the other side of things where you have flawed teams that have shown their flaws on the road. Auburn, for example, has been bad uh, bad on the road all year long. And then they take on Florida yesterday. And it shows in the market too, by the way, right? Auburn was only a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road yesterday. They lose that game outright, 63-62. to There's one point where it looked like Auburn maybe was going to kind of shake off the demons and get a pretty comfortable win. But you blink, Florida gets a couple of turnovers, and in transition, hits some threes, and sure enough, boom, not only get back into this game, but they win this game outright, 63-62. to 62. The final play I didn't, was not a very big fan of from Auburn. But regardless – to me, it's about the bigger issues now for Auburn, which is you can't win on the road. You've been awfully – I shouldn't say you can't win. You can't cover on the road, right, because they're 7-2 uh, straight up on the road this season. But now they're 3-6 and six ATS in some of these road games. And this has been an angle that betters than and I know Wes Reynolds yesterday uh, was great by him. He was in on first half for Florida and game on Florida, and it panned out. Florida was really competitive in that game. And Auburn, as you move forward here, in terms of the tournament, like I do always wonder, teams like Auburn – who struggle in these true road environments how that translate as you go for, how it translates as you go forward into some of these now neutral site competitions, right? Whether it's the SEC tournament, whether it is the NCAA tournament, but they're not done by any stretch. So they have two road games left on the schedule. Auburn does you get Tennessee, which is a pretty big matchup. And you would think if you were struggling against Florida, a really good Tennessee team on the road is going to be a tough spot for you. And then you follow that up with a road game against Mississippi state. So while the schedule is not the worst for Auburn going forward here, you have two road opportunities to potentially play against them. Now, Tennessee's coming off of their own road loss. They lost 58 to 48 uh, over the weekend. I should say over the weekend. It's uh, yesterday uh, to Arkansas in a game in which their offense completely hit the tank. And that was back and forth. But last 10 minutes of the game, Arkansas scores Tennessee 18 to nine to get that win. But well, that's going to be a pretty big matchup coming up between Auburn and Tennessee. And we'll see if the Tigers road struggles uh, continue as they move forward in the last few weeks uh, of conference play. And then finally, and I opened up the show with this, and I think this is worth rehashing as we move forward with this team, because uh, as you look at the way that the big 12 is going to shake out here, because remember Baylor, and this is kind of important Baylor, they get LJ Cryer back the other day, but they lose JTT, former UNLV running rebel, uh, Jonathan Chachua, and that's pretty big. He was their leading offensive rebounder Uh, in terms of offensive rebounding rate, one of the best in the country, uh, JTT. He led the Baylor Bears before he got injured. We talked about LJ Cryer finally coming back, but he missed time and only played 15 minutes uh, in that first matchup against Texas Tech, and he ended up not playing against TCU So when you look at Baylor, now all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, well, this is not a flawed team, but a potentially shorthanded team when you're talking about injuries now mounting up for the Bears. They were an 11.5-point favorite yesterday, and they get the win by 10. They don't end up covering against the Horned Frogs. But this is, I think to me, like the Big 12 is one of the more fascinating conferences. But in the big picture, too, a Baylor team who has been very good and very competitive all season long, of course, um, and, of course, uh, the reigning champs, They have a lot going for them, but injuries start to mount up. And you wonder at some point, can you overcome them? But I bring this up because the Big 12 seems to be on the top. Uh, one of the best conferences in college basketball with Kansas, with Baylor, and with now a team that has to be taken seriously in Texas Tech because Texas Tech has been freaking awesome. They are 2-0 against Baylor this year, uh, against Kansas this season as well. They split that uh, in the uh, matchup with Kansas. They get a double overtime loss to the Jayhawks, and they ended up getting that win at home over them, 75-67. to The market has slept on Texas Tech all year long. They're now 13-2 against the spread in their last 15 games. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country, and in fact after yesterday they are second in defensive efficiency on the year 86.4 like if you can play if you play defense to the level of texas tech and you got a couple of guys who could score in isolation situations which they do have uh from time to time right uh, like a guy like terrence shannon for example uh, he has shown the ability to have some pretty big games against baylor he had 14 points on five and nine shooting from inside the arc uh five assists two defense rebounds but I think you got to start to take a team like Texas Tech pretty seriously, not only when it comes to winning the Big 12 tournament, which they were in the range of about 455 to one when those odds were first hung over at Circa, uh, but now I think in, in the massive picture of things, and we're talking about winning the college basketball championship, because you look at a lot of these teams. So, for example, you know Gonzaga, very good. Uh, we have yet to see them really tested, and Texas Tech. Um, Well, we did see them tested, right? But uh, that was a Duke game earlier in the year. We've seen their flaws here and there. Uh, But, like, for example, Texas Tech, I thought, played them extremely well defensively, and Shannon didn't play in that game. Kentucky, uh, we saw them get off to a really slow start yesterday, seemed to be really tied to the hip of Ty Ty Washington and his health. And if he's not going to be healthy, uh, then maybe you get a flawed Kentucky team there. Arizona yesterday, we didn't even bring up the fact that Arizona opens up 14-point favor, closes at 12, and barely gets by Oregon yesterday, an Oregon team that was coming off of a loss to Arizona State so, like at the top of the list, and then of course, Duke, Purdue, all these teams have their major flaws. And this does seem like a year, while Gonzaga at plus 450 uh, is the favorite and rightfully should be from a power rating standpoint, this does seem like a year where, like, we couldn't, like, March Madness, you could finally see something, that, you know, something rise from the middle of the pack and get a pretty big win. Yeah, Arizona yesterday needing some uh, clutch free throws and uh, pretty good crunch time offense down the stretch to get the win over Oregon. There was a point yesterday, too, we were watching this at the bar, and I was thinking, man. Is Arizona going to come back in the second action to cover this number? Because it looked like they were going to start to pull away from Oregon. Ultimately, not the case. Uh, All right, so – Let's, we'll stick with this vibe. mentioned a couple of games. We only mentioned one. That was, um, with, that was um, Michigan and Wisconsin. We'll come back with one more Big Ten matchup that's going to be on my board or uh, in my card this weekend. And then, of course, uh, coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to have Tom Byrne with us to discuss the NBA season as we head into the final six weeks. And maybe where Tom finds some value in some of these division and future markets in the NBA. Bring it back. It's Point Spread Sunday.
2: Zumo Play.
4: This is Point Spread Sunday on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of Point Spread Sunday brought to you by z Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes. Dip or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties Experiment experiment, wintergreen citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, and it's never been easier to find yours in. So head on over to Zinn.com slash find, locate a store near you that's CYN.com slash find. Warning, product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. We're talking about this off the air. Uh, I am somewhat sad because uh, this is the week, though, right? Baseball, they're going to meet like every single day for like, you know, whatever, 15 minutes at a time. And uh, they're going to put that out there and then they're going to be like, look, everything's going to be fine. And ultimately it won't be Um, because this is about, you know, when you ramp up the baseball, getting ready for baseball season. Uh, As a baseball fan, namely an Angels fan, this is where I start to get hopeful that the Angels, you know, everything they have, it's not that bad. And then I looked at the odds right now. It's like 30-1 to one to win a World Series. <laughs> okay. I uh, don't think they're that good, but we'll see. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, as we were talking about, uh, I think Matt Neverett, our producer, loves him to win the Cy Young. That's uh, what I took away from our conversation. I think uh, that's actually live, so go ahead and fire away on that. It actually does kind of make me sad. Like I'm looking at baseball odds and like things you know, the last few weeks, and man, I really do hope that the baseball season gets started at the uh, right time. All right. With that, uh, really quickly, just the top games on the card for today. So we talked about Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, Rutgers-Purdue is also on the card later today. Rutgers has been absolutely incredible uh, on a nutty run here, the Scarlet Knights are. Uh, the problem is, though, a majority of those have come, a majority, they have won some road games, uh, but a majority have come at home. Scarlet Knights, for having, for those who haven't been keeping track at home, uh, they have won four straight, five out of six. They've covered five consecutive games. And some of the wins that Rutgers has stolen here, I should even say stolen, like they were good, uh, four-point underdog at home against Illinois win that game outright comfortably 70-59 on the road against Wisconsin catch an 8 win that game outright 73-65 catch a 3 at home against Ohio State win 66-64 to beat Michigan State 84-63 just a beatdown at the rack and I, I think it's officially not called the rack anymore but regardless Rutgers home has been, at home has been great they're 6-0 this season ATS when they are catching points they're 6-0 straight up I should also mention as a home underdog so when they have been catching points at home they have been absolutely fantastic but Road situations are a little bit different. True road games are 3-7 straight up and against the spread. This is a Purdue team that you would think is going to be taking this very seriously. They went to the rack back in December, lost that game 70-68, to 68, uh, and not only – Are you going to be looking for revenge here? Of course, if you're the Boilermakers, you're also taking on a Rutgers team that could be shorthanded without one of their best players. Uh, Ron Harper Jr. uncertain to play against Purdue with a hand injury. Now, the key word is uncertain. It's not official. It does seem highly doubtful that Harper Jr. is going to be out there. This looks like just a pretty tough spot. Given the situation, the winning streak that Rutgers has been on, the fact that three out of these four games have been at home, now you hit the road, a – Situation has not been friendly to you. We'll put it that way, playing true road games against a Purdue team that still has to fight for first place in the conference and is, I think, going to take you pretty seriously, given what happened the first time around, and playing good basketball. Love watching this team play Purdue. Um, But I I think, to me, this was a spot where it's kind of worth looking and swallowing some points here with Purdue, given everything that Rutgers is dealing with uh, situationally. And situations, uh, you got to take them, I think, like, you don't want to blindly play some revenge spots, right? So, for example, we actually had some good examples of that yesterday, right? Uh, UNLV, a team that was at home against Colorado State. Colorado State, they'd beat them up in Moby, come back down here. Colorado State, a team that had been playing pretty good basketball, four and a half point road favor. You think they're going to go out there and beat them down because of what happened the first time around? What happened? UNLV. Kicked them out of the Thomas and Mac. It was a comfortable victory for the running Rebels. How about the Texas Tech and Texas? We talked about that too, right? Texas Tech and how well they've been playing. If you remember, the Longhorns go to Lubbock a couple of weeks back. It was like, what, a Tuesday or Thursday night. Chris Beard gets absolutely dump trucked by his former team. You come back this weekend. You think, hey, man, pretty big revenge spot back at home. They'll take care of business against Texas Tech. Market pushes it all the way up to three and a half on the open. And Texas loses that game outright. So, well, one more example too, by the way. Thursday, it was Thursday night, right? St. Mary's in San Francisco. San Francisco plays St. Mary's earlier in the year. They have a 14, 17-point lead at halftime against St. Mary's. They lose that game on their own floor. You think, come back against St. Mary's, big revenge spot. Let's see what happens. Numbers under three. St. Mary's takes care of business and wins that game. So while conference revenge is always an angle that I think a lot of people use, I think you always got to take it with a grain of salt as well and look at the matchups too uh, because that's always something to keep an eye on. But here, to me at least, there are matchups that work in favor of Purdue. Uh, it's also a revenge spot and some injuries that work against Rutgers that all point to maybe a position in which uh, the Boilermakers could be in a pretty good spot here to take care of business. Although, it's been touch and go here for Purdue lately. You barely get by Maryland, 62-61. That was a home game. Uh, you got by Northwestern, but that was 70 to forty. You were a six-point favorite on the road against Northwestern, and yet Jaden Ivey this time around against Northwestern. You still didn't cover that number. You end up winning that one by six. Were they looking ahead to Rutgers? I don't know. Uh, no, I don't think so. So I'm going to bank on Purdue, who hasn't really been covering numbers and looking a little shaky as of late, uh, potentially get it right here against Rutgers, who's in a pretty poor situation. And to give you a little bit of uh, insight of what's going on Purdue, just one cover since that win over Minnesota at the beginning of February on the 2nd. Uh, but right now, if you look at it overall, you're talking about 2-4-1 and one ATS for Purdue in their last seven games. So – Boilermakers are a good team, but a very highly rated team. And I think that has led to the point where while you're winning games, you're not exactly covering. And then the one, as we talked about, uh, that is at the top of the list, at least in terms of Big East play, uh, Marquette and the way that they've been playing as of late, taking care of business against Georgetown in terms of a victory, but not covering. And now you get to take on Creighton on the road, a very tough situation. It seems like for Marquette who defensively have been playing pretty well Falling off a little bit over the last couple of weeks, uh, but one of the things that has held them back, the inability to keep teams off of the glass, both offensively and defensively, and um, it's been a reason why they have slid a little bit here. But Creighton, a a one-and-a-half point favorite at home, and I think they deserve to be. Uh, While Creighton offensively has not been very good, and like when I say not very good in conference play, uh, 97.6 points per 100 possessions, uh, they turn the ball over at an extremely high rate, 21.6% of their possessions end in turnovers. Uh, It has not been great in terms of holding on to the ball, but defensively, I think Creighton does have enough here to cover a number against a Marquette team that has been kind of scuffling lately. Now they lead the league. Creighton does. Big East. Uh, 95.7 points per 100 possessions allowed to opponents. Effective field goal percentage that leads the league at 43.1%. The best perimeter defense in the Big East. The best interior defense in the Big East. It seems like uh, while well, one and a half Maybe fall into the uh, trap that, hey, it's one and a half at home and it's pretty short. But Marquette, I think, has shown enough flaws here over the last couple of games that make me think that uh, Creighton would be pretty alive coming into a home game here. And especially when you look at, when I bring up the issues for Marquette and how they've fallen off defensively, their last two losses, Connecticut and Butler, uh, defensive ratings for Marquette of 118.2 and 123.7. So while this is, again, a revenge spot because Creighton, of course, uh, beat them 75-69, to from a matchup standpoint, Creighton has enough here at home uh, to sweep the season series from Marquette. Big East is going to be pretty fascinating too, man, because uh, I think when you look at the way that Villanova and Villanova has been playing really good basketball, uh, they have won all five of those games since they lost to Marquette. And in fact, there are only two losses uh, since, of course, uh, losing to Creighton back at the beginning of December. And that was around, uh, they had, I think they had a COVID pause and whatnot. But regardless, um, if you go back, so December 21st, they rip off a um, six-game winning streak, Villanova does, but since they started that winning streak, they only have two losses, and both of them to Marquette, but Villanova's been playing some pretty good basketball, but Villanova too, kind of along the same vein as Purdue, a very highly rated team, uh, but just in not really covering a lot of these numbers, and they're a really big favorite to win the Big East tournament. And the way the Big East is, I think there's a lot of parity there at the top. You do wonder if uh, maybe Villanova, as well as they have been playing and as good as they are, maybe slightly overvalued uh, by the market at times. So those, I think, to me at least, are the three big games of of Sunday in terms of college basketball. There's one more game that is worth mentioning, and that would be, of course, um, in the SEC, which is like kind of quietly – one of my favorite leagues to watch in terms of basketball, the SEC. Uh, but we have a late matchup here today. Uh, that would be Mississippi State and Missouri that are going to be going at it. And Mississippi State, excuse me, Missouri, as we know, has not been playing well. They've had some pretty bright moments on the season, uh, Missouri has. But coming off of the loss to Mississippi State actually on Friday, so they run it back here again. It's a home-and-home situation. It makes it a pretty intriguing uh, kind of back-to-back spot here. Missouri was not even close the first time around, 68-49. to 49. So then you run this back as a four-and-a-half-point underdog at home against Mississippi State. Uh, But on the court and how Missouri can match up here against the Bulldogs, uh, really – I mean, there's not much in terms of painting a pretty picture here for Missouri. Their defense has been one of the worst in the SEC, 108.5 points per 100 possessions. Their perimeter defense has been lacking. They give up quite a few uh, three point attempts to opponents. If you're talking about like the three point uh, rate now, Mississippi State doesn't take a lot of threes uh, and they don't shoot the ball well. So you wonder if that evens out here a little bit with Mississippi State maybe be able to hit a couple of threes. But the big thing here, Bulldogs on the interior, fourth best in the SEC, shooting 52.7% on two-point attempts. And this has been at times, Missouri, where they have struggled. And they can't keep teams off of the glass either. And Mississippi State actually can rebound pretty well, at least on the offensive end of the floor. Offensive rebounding rate against SEC opponents, 33.6%. And against a team like Missouri, who has been given up 33.4 in terms of opponent misses and uh, rebounds, I think that's going to be something that's going to, Kind of uh, hamper them a little bit here. So four and a half, I think, on the surface seems kind of tempting when you have like these immediate rematches and now you're on the road here for Mississippi State. Uh, But at the end of the day, Missouri has not been a team that have uh, been willing to uh, back here given how um, poorly they have played at times, especially on the defensive end of the floor. With that, uh, we're going to talk to Tom Byrne on the other side, Series XM, Mad Dog Radio. We're going to take a look. The final six weeks of the NBA regular season are upon us when we return to action on Thursday. As he handicapped to say a uh, home stretch here? And does he believe in like a Boston, for example, like I do? Got him at 66-1 to win the NBA Finals, but Tom will openly laugh at me if he disagrees. So let's see if, uh, let's see if that's going to be the case when we come back. Sunday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. vsin got a great new offer. It'll only be described as madness. You get VSIN all access, everything we do from now through the College Basketball Championship on April 4th. Only $29. Sign up now. Get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, upcoming College troops Betting Guide, and much more. All of that more. VSIN.com. Steal only happens once a year, so don't miss it out. 29 bucks. everything we do. VSIN.com slash madness to sign up today. All right, let's welcome in Tom Byrne, SiriusXM Radio, Mad Dog Sports Radio. It's where you can find him. At one, the number one, Tom Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E, up on Twitter. Tom, good to talk to you early morning. It's a little bit uh, earlier for us over here, though. You're in far places far away. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you this. You're a hoops head like me, obviously. Uh, this is the oldest old man take that I have. I think it's time to take it to the glue factory. I think we're done with the slam dunk contest.
5: Yeah, that was the worst dunk contest in the history of the sport. I mean, that's not hyperbole. That's 100% facts. Um, look, we thought it was over a few years back when Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon re-energized the contest. But to your point, it might be officially dead. I don't know what you do now other than try to entice the stars, the brand names, the dunk. You know, LeBron's done a lot of great for the league, but LeBron couldn't give the fans one dunk contest. So guys don't take it all that seriously anymore. And here's the other issue, JVT, in fairness to these young guys. We've seen everything. So the same dunks that used to get us out of our seats nowadays make us yawn.
4: So, for a lot of reasons, if they got rid of it, I wouldn't lose a wick of sleep. Nope. Oh, man. Uh, we, we can spend all day talking about the All-Star Weekend, but uh, I really don't care. Let's talk about some big-picture stuff uh, as we move forward into this not, the last six weeks, or some people call it the second half, Tom. Uh, so, I was talking about this. So, I bet, uh, and I think I brought this up to you. So, a couple of weeks ago, it's just an off-market play, uh, but I bet the uh, Boston Celtics did 66-1 to to win the NBA Finals. We're down to about 30-1, to 11-1 to win the Eastern Conference. I, I, I'm all in on Boston defensively, but their offense leaves me a little bit of pause what's the upper mobility here for boston as we head into the final six weeks like how legitimate is this team what we've seen recently
5: yeah i think they're pretty legit the issue of course is a very tough eastern conference i don't think if they bring their a game and philly brings their a game it's a beat of the Sixers. same thing with milwaukee same thing with brooklyn quite frankly but it's not impossible to envision boston going on a big run and i love the addition of, of uh of their wife yeah. i mean Derek White is undervalued. I don't know what Greg Popovich is doing. I mean, you know, more and more we have evidence that. Thank God he had Tim Duncan, and that's why he won in 99.03.05 for 2014 I'm not saying Pop ain't a great coach, but what I am telling you is he might be a little overrated and not great along with R.G. Buford recently in terms of some of their transactions. Giving up Derek White, a positive player who's, you know, according to a lot of numbers, a top 50 guy this year, didn't make any sense. So give Brad Stevens a lot of credit, add him to that backcourt. We know Jason Tatum can fill it up. And most importantly, they're sharing the basketball. I mean, you look at all the important metrics in terms of sharing the basketball. Earlier in the year, they were guardable because they did not. They were selfish, and now they're moving the ball. That's good That's good value. It's the one, but like you said, that's long gone.
4: So when you're looking at the Eastern Conference as a whole, you know, I've kind of been somewhat stubborn and, you know, if, when people ask me, who's your highest power-rated team in the East? Like, who do you think is going to come out of it? I just kind of default to, look, Milwaukee when they're fully realized, I think is still the best team in the Eastern Conference. Problem is, Tom, I think the Connaughton injury is a little bit bigger, especially after they ship away Dante DiVincenzo and Brooke Lopez is still shelved with back surgery. So is it still Milwaukee at the top for you, or was it ever? Like, what what do you expect in terms of the top of the eastern conference as we head into the postseason because to me it seems pretty wide open if you shake any one of the top four philly and milwaukee we'll throw brooklyn in there miami if you told me any one of the four came out of it i'd kind of understand
5: oh 100 and it's a great thing for the nba league that for a long time has been way too predictable because typically if you have the town along the decent fit you're gonna win but the town's pretty evenly distributed arguably in the east i do like milwaukee um Look, I think Giannis is still slept on. I know he's won an MVP now. He's won a finals MVP, but he still doesn't get his proper due. due to just flat dominant, period. And I like Drew Holiday more than most. I would take Holiday over Middleton, but it really doesn't matter to the teammates. So with that big three and the potential return of Brooke Lopez, and I do like the sneaky addition of Serge Ibaka. I think Milwaukee, like you, is still at the top because you can trust Milwaukee. They've been through it. Yeah, they got fortunate last year. A lot of teams that win championships get breaks along the way. Here's the tricky part, though. I still think if Philly brings their A game, if they can reach their ceiling, then they've got a higher one than Milwaukee. And I could say the same thing about Brooklyn, and that's, again, why the East is going to be so tough. But Brooklyn, we know the question. Are they even going to have Kyrie for home games? Mm -hmm. Philly, we know what the question is. Is James Harden going to accept that it's Joel Embiid's team, and are those guys going to be able to jive? And, frankly, we still have to see something from James Harden in the postseason where he typically is not as dominant. So, to your point, man, and you talked about Boston. We haven't even mentioned Miami. They're the one seed at the moment. Yep. Good luck trying to predict this accurately this year. A lot of times it's fairly easy in the NBA this year. It's not.
4: Well, where are you at on Miami? Because I remember before the season started, you weren't the highest on Miami in the regular season, right? No, no I
5: wasn't. They've proven me wrong. I took the under, so I'm already chalking that up as a loss, quite obviously. But never say never. I still don't know if I – yeah, right. Well, no. crazy things have happened, I guess. I also had Charlotte as an under. I thought that was a loss. and now, Oh, you man, got life? I win. But anyway –
4: What's that? So you got life on that now. They're falling apart. You got you got James exactly. Booknight trying to fight James Borrego, <laughs> Borrego. on the sidelines,
5: man. And then Booknight. Did you see Booknight yesterday? He goes to UConn and yep. gets kicked out of the game. Only he he walks up to the student session. So he, that that young man's been all one recently. But yeah, I definitely have life to your point there. But get it back to the Miami Heat. Listen, I still I have nothing but respect for him. I still don't know that I trust them in the postseason. Jimmy Butler's been fantastic. He's been playing the best basketball of his career. Top ten player in the world. Just can't consistently stay on the floor. Tyler Hero has been researching this year. That's good to see. I still think he's a little overrated. They have shooting with he Ian Robinson, the company. Bam Adebayo missed the time. He's back now. They got Kyle Lowry. Again, it just leads to the greater point here that the East is going to be must-watch television. But considering everybody we've already discussed, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly, even Boston with the way they're playing of late, I don't know that Miami's better than any of those teams.
4: And that's it. it Goes back to like the beginning of this conversation in Boston, right? I mean, the upward mobility. If they get a first, I was talking about this time. Like, if they get a first round series against Chicago or Cleveland right, for Boston or any one of these teams in these play-in situations. I mean, the play-in situation in the East itself, Tom, is crazy. We're talking about Toronto, Brooklyn, uh, Atlanta, Charlotte. I mean, if any one of the other bottom dwellers finds their way in somehow, potentially, but three of those teams, Atlanta, uh, Toronto, and Brooklyn, there's going to be a pain in the ass for any of the teams ahead of them if they make it to the playoffs.
5: 100%. And we should talk about Cleveland more because, you know, you and I, we've had our discussions. You liked Garland a second. To your credit, I really didn't. I did love Jared Allen, though, and he's been unbelievably good. Here he is at All-Star Weekend. Ian Mobley to Twin Towers, it's amazing. The big was basically out of the game not too long ago. Now you could argue the three best players in the world. Yep. Not that Giannis is a center, but are Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis. And then you look at Cleveland with the rim protection because of the big. They are a hell of a story. And I don't want to discount their chances, but I think a lot of us believe that you know they'll probably want it done. But I've been saying this on my show for a while. I don't see this being a year where they're going to have a lot of sweeps or five-game series. I don't think in this, I don't know what the odds would be. This would be an interesting odds, maybe some offshore book to come up with. I don't know if we'll have a series less than six games throughout the entirety of the Eastern Conference playoffs.
4: That's a good prediction. I like it. Hopefully we get that, too, because that'd be a lot of fun. So we spent a majority of this time, too, on the Eastern Conference. We we can go over to the West, but, like, for, for me, Tom, when I look at it, uh, I think the Suns are my highest power rated team in the Western Conference. There is a gap that I think is represented in the standings between them and the Golden State Warriors. And then outside of that, like, you know, the, the Jazz are a good team, especially with their starting lineup. We know how good the Grizzlies can be, but if we're talking about legitimate yeah. shots at winning a Western Conference Finals, I think the Suns are head and shoulders above the rest of this conference.
5: So do I, but if the Suns are head and shoulders above everybody else, that means it's open at least to an extent. No disrespect to Phoenix. That's a hell of a team. The Bridges is one of the more underrated players in the league. Dude is so good as a 3 and D guy for them. Chris Paul's leadership has been incredible. I'm a little concerned about the hand. Did I get that right yesterday, that quote that was out there? He's planning on playing in the All-Star game, but then potentially taking time off. Boy, I hope I got that wrong. (laughs) But otherwise, he's been a great leader. Devin Booker's a walking bucket. Monty Williams. I think Pickerstaff should get the coach of the year. But Monty Williams has been phenomenal. Phoenix, you're right. To me, I have them the highest power-rated team as well. But Golden State wants to get Draymond back, and I'm not going to completely discount Utah. Nobody trusts them in the postseason. But with Gobert, Mitchell, I still like Hanley. I still think there's a chance they could get it together. Here's what I'm interested in knowing. What is the status of Michael Porter Jr.? What is the status of Jamal Murray? Jamal Murray, even alive anymore, is he in the Zion Williamson camp? Is he coming back or not? Because if Denver gets their second or third best player back to put alongside Nikola Jokic, wow, that might be the best team in the West.
4: Yep, I would agree, but I'm with you. Like, I was just looking it up this morning, and like, it's just, mum, we don't know what's going on with Jamal Murray, or even if he's going to come back. And by the way, uh, Paul suggested he could play a little in the All-Star game, throw a few passes for assists, and then get out. Uh, but Monty Williams, who was asked, will CP3 play, I was like, nah, nah, "Nah, and then didn't really respond. So, I don't know if uh, Monty will let him do it. All right, Tom, yeah. hey, we're up against it, but I appreciate some time this morning. Thanks, dude. Anytime. Yep, you got it. Tom Byrne. Host SiriusXM, uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio at the number one. Uh, Tom Byrne up on Twitter. Yeah, the, the Paul the Paul bit about the hand is obviously uh, a very important note. It doesn't seem like it would keep him out through the postseason, but uh, it does seem that he could miss some time coming back, which is worth noting. Quote: Always going to be a little frustration with the injury. Had four surgeries in my career on the hand. Uh, things could be a lot worse if I do miss some time. I know the guys are going to be able to hold it down. So, would be a. Uh, would be still confident in the Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul out there that he would be uh, that that team would be head and shoulders and it's another great point Jamal Murray if he comes back that Nuggets team last year looked like they were going to be and they were going to be my pick to come out of the Western Conference where the postseason began but then Murray got hurt If he comes back and he gets like a month of play under his belt before the postseason starts the Nuggets will be a force to be reckoned with in the Western Conference all right we'll come back wrap it up last 15 minutes here on a point spread Sunday
2: So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
4: This is Point Spread Sunday on vSEN, the sports betting network. Hit the court for your cut of the cash with the FX Snowfall Kingpin Challenge. Play free in two fantasy hoops contests and battle for a share of $15,000 in total cash prizes while the fight for LA rages on during Season 5 of FX's Snowfall. Head to DraftKings.com slash Snowfall now to get in on the action. Snowfall returns February 23rd on FX Stream on Hulu. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, last few minutes here on uh, Point Spread Sunday. Lombardi Line, what I'm told, is coming up next here on Visa and the Esports Betting Network. Cannot wait to see what the boys have in store for this Sunday. Uh, The first uh, real Sunday without football, right? I mean, I know we had, like, the bye in between, but there was a Pro Bowl on that Sunday in between the uh, Super Bowl and the Conference Championships. This is it. This is the Sunday with no football. So what do you do moving forward? I will say uh, the NFL is brilliant because the Combine's coming up uh, very soon. Get the draft ready to go, too. So the, um, the NFL is very smart. They have things every single month. There's no offseason in the National Football League. And with the Combine coming up, I'm sure the guys will have plenty in store. But Lombardi line coming up in 15 minutes here on the SIN. All right, with that, I know that we were supposed to go over some of the plays for the day. For me, only one. Uh, it's just going to be the Purdue spot against Rutgers, laying the 12-and-a-half. 12, uh, 12 against the Scarlet Knights. Looks like Harper Jr. is not going to play. Purdue looking for a little bit of revenge. Uh, Ivy and the boys, I think, are in a pretty good spot. They haven't been covering numbers at a very high rate lately. Uh, Two, four, and one ATS in their last five. But I do think uh, here, at least, for a play for today, laying 12.5 with Purdue, I'll sit back and see if the uh, Boilermakers can smack around Rutgers after a pretty big run here from the Scarlet Knights that include five consecutive wins and this big run. Cashing is a home underdog, but I think it's a better spot here for Purdue. So swallow it. And then when Rutgers again goes on the road, just like they did to Wisconsin, a couple of, what, a week or so ago and went out right, they're pretty good. But I'll lay the 12 and a half there. Not money 12 and a half the Purdue Boilermakers. All right. So before we get out of here, uh, there's a couple of things to wrap up. We talked about the college card in depth. I think we've gone over everything. Uh, no need to really discuss that. But I did want to bring up something and kind of expand on something that Tom Byrne brought up in our last uh, Um, Segment. We were talking about the association and like the conversation around every single sport. I think the question is always like, where's the value? Where's the plus money? What are we doing? So at at this point of the season, a lot of these numbers are relatively tight, right? You'll get teams like the Boston Celtics who will go on these big runs, win 11 out of 12 games in nine straight beat the crap out of their opponents while doing it. And their odds will get cut in half from where they were. It's always smart. I would say to keep regularly, Checking on different markets and shops and books because you can find shops that fall asleep on certain numbers. It's the only reason why I have the Celtics at sixty-six to one to win the NBA Finals because the shot that I took them at sixty-six to one to win the NBA Finals uh, was at sixty-six to one, and everywhere else was at about thirty to one or so. So it's just kind of falling and picking on numbers uh, on markets and shops that have kind of, for lack of a better term, fallen asleep. But I think if you're if you're looking around. If you want the stab to take on the board, and this is all based on speculation, uh, it is that 30-to-1 price or better on a team like the Denver Nuggets because, as Tom pointed out, if Jamal Murray comes back for the Denver Nuggets, uh, this team is going to be – one of the best teams in the NBA, like bar none. Because Nikola Jokic this year already has been one of the best players in the association. We've talked about it from a net rating standpoint when he's on the floor. That team is comparable to the Phoenix Suns when he's off the floor. uh, They are comparable to the Detroit Pistons. But when you have a guy like Jamal Murray out there with Nikola Jokic, with Aaron Gordon when they were all together a season ago, uh, this team was absolutely tremendous defensively offensively looked like they were going to legitimately beat everybody in the Western conference uh, before that injury went down. And so I think if you're trying and, and that's the problem with a number like that too, and a play like this is when you're looking at that, you're taking it and hoping at some point that you're going to get Jamal Murray out there on the floor. Uh, with Nikola Jokic and with enough time, too, by the way. That's a more important thing, right? You don't want him on the eve of the playoffs coming in and being available. You want him like a month out so you can actually have some time for him to get ready and get out there. But to give you an idea, right, of why this might be worth it, okay, if you go back to last season when Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, and Nikola Jokic were on the floor together, the Nuggets outscored opponents by 17 points per 100 possessions. They put up an offensive rating of 127 and only gave up 110. Those are like elite, elite numbers. Uh, in terms of what you can put out there as a basketball team. And so, like right now, right, it's not really worth it. CP3's got a hand injury, and the numbers really watered down at plus 170. The Warriors don't have Draymond Green, and their offense continues to be uh, pretty bad. And by the way, they failed to cover their last seven games. They go into the all-star break limping. Utah Jazz, from a bench standpoint, actually aren't really that great. Uh, They lose a bench piece in Joe Ingles. They've been trying to patch that together. And while their starting lineup is a lead statistically, uh, we saw last year that that starting lineup can't get played off the floor because it's not Rudy Gobert's ball. They have four guys who just can't defend on the ball and get blown by every single time. Time on dribble penetration, and then you get a team like the Grizzlies who might be attractive to some, but it's an insanely young team led by John Morant. And you don't really know, I think I have questions about how they hold up when team you know, when these uh, series slow down and they're more half court oriented and whatnot. But it's just hard at this point of the year when you're first diving into this to look around and try to take your stabs at futures prices because a lot of these are baked in. So if you're going to take shots, it's going to be on a team like the Nuggets who you're kind of hoping are getting a really big piece back, and even then you could be sitting on 30-1 to 1 in that range on the Never Nuggets going into the postseason and a team that just has Nikola Jokic. And hell, in the Western Conference, that's pretty wide open outside of the Phoenix Suns at the top. Maybe that gets you to a Western Conference Finals if you have Nikola Jokic if the bracket breaks right for you. Uh, but out of all of them, that's going to be the team. And then on the flip side, the other part, and this is how you can also dive into some of these futures going forward here when it comes to the NBA, because we haven't even talked about this, the cool thing about what the NBA has done with changing this rule for the final two seeds in the postseason is the race to make the playoffs still becomes really intriguing. And you still have teams at the bottom that are trying to fight their way in. You have bad teams making deals at the trade deadline, trying to get in. But, and you have certain, like, for example, we talked about the Charlotte Hornets, right? Charlotte Hornets at one point looked like they were going to run away and actually be one of the top six seeds in the Eastern Conference. But they've fallen apart. You've got guys fighting on the sidelines. James Borrego, I don't know if the message wears thin, whatever it is, but this team is extremely flawed. And at the trade deadline, in desperation, they go and get a guy like Montrez Harrell, who's pretty good offensively, but is one of the worst defensive centers in the NBA if you're going to be rolling him out there regularly. And so now the Charlotte Hornets are a team where at one point you were getting a really short price on them to make the playoffs. Now they're plus 475 to make it to the postseason. And the Western Conference playoff spot is even more intriguing. Some markets won't even hang a number on the New Orleans Pelicans to make it to the playoffs because now we have this situation with Zion floating around, whether he's going to come back or whether he has another surgery on his foot. They, they got C.J. McCollum to kind of push them to the postseason. Could have gotten them in the range of 5-1 to one to make the postseason, but that's off the board. And the Sacramento Kings, who fancy themselves a play-in team, at one point were 12-1. to one to make it into the play-in, right? Because they trade for Devonta Sabonis, but they continue to lose games. And all of a sudden, a team that I think everybody had left for dead because they shipped off everybody goes into the break, winners of four straight, and they cover all four of those. And now they find themselves in control of the 10th seed, and that's the Portland Trailblazers. So, like, the the way that these play-in situations are going to play out are absolutely fascinating as you head down the stretch. And there are markets that are going to play this out. I also have, selfishly, uh, we'll be rooting very hardly for the... uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, got them before the season started at about 7-1 to to make the postseason. They're about minus 400 now to do so. But Minnesota, better watch out because that's a team that is really freaking good. And the way that Finch has gotten this team playing defense, uh, it's really hit or miss in terms of what you get on a night-to-night basis, like super aggressive, right, playing passing lanes, trying to force turnovers. So you get, like, some really good defensive performances at times. You also get some lackluster performances. But I will say this here, right? Right now they are the seventh seed in the Western Conference, and they would have to win their play-in to get the seventh seed. But a 2-7 matchup between the Golden State Warriors and the Minnesota Timberwolves, i would not sleep on the Minnesota Timberwolves' chances in a playoff series like that. The Golden State Warriors, one of their biggest issues all year long has been turnovers, 29th in offensive turnover rate this season, and this is a Minnesota Timberwolves team that is brilliant at forcing turnovers. They were actually one of the best in the NBA, and it's a matchup that could really work in their favor. If you go back, actually, the last time they played – it's a four-point game, and then D'Angelo Russell gets hurt, and they fall apart. Russell's actually pretty important for them. But that would be a really intriguing series that, depending on the price, you might, co- you might, uh, might coerce me into betting on an underdog there. But overall, as we head into the final six weeks, uh, the things that are going to be here to watch of the final six weeks, some of these teams, uh, keep an eye on the Portland Trailblazers, Last year, the Timberwolves were a team that were fighting to kind of get in some continuity together with a young team as they went into the next year. There's going to be a couple of teams like that. And the Oklahoma City Thunder are a team that I think you've got to watch out for. The market expects them to tank going forward. That is not the case. It's a young team that's fighting really well. They're 11th now in defensive rating. They are tied in terms of ATS rate for the best record in the NBA. They've been absolutely incredible. So the Thunder are going to be a team to watch as you move forward too because they continue to be priced like a team who doesn't want to play anything. And the market has been getting um, – getting beat up on the Oklahoma City Thunder in the way that they've been playing basketball uh, down the stretch. So last six weeks of the season, man, you got a lot going on here, and you still have races like the Heat and the Bulls for the top overall seed. DeMar DeRozan's push for an MVP spot or at least a seat at the table. Hopefully that gets there. And Jaron Jackson Jr. Watch. I've gone this whole show without uh, that mentioning Jaron Jackson Jr. to win Defensive Player of the Year. Got him a 301 and uh, hopefully – the Memphis Grizzlies can actually pull this off. All right, Uh, we're all done. Again, it's a good college basketball slate. We'll be sweating out Purdue later today against the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Michigan and Wisconsin at the top. We'll see if that thing ends up closing at about three and a half or 2.5 or 3.5. I would expect that 3.5 here at the South Point starts to come down. Oh, and by the way, we have the final round of the Genesis Invitational. So stick it here. Lombardi line coming up next to keep you updated on all of that and more, including Daytona, huh? It's Visa and the Esports Better Network.
2: Zumo Play.